Welcome to another exciting and interesting episode of Dark Hammer, a Worlds of Warhammer podcast from Dark Days Radio. I am Chris, one of the regular hosts of Dark Days, and I am joined tonight by Crystal. Hello, Crystal. Hello. And of course, Crystal is a regular host on Dark Days Radio, and we are joined by Fiona. Hello, Fiona. Hello, Fiona. That's uh, no, that's, that's my one joke that I'm going to do on this way. Hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Fiona um, is from the What Am I Rolling podcast, uh, the DMs uh, book club. Yes, that's it. Um, yep. podcast. <laughs> and obviously has played in numerous one shots uh, with us, including uh, Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. and also Wrath and Glory. Yeah, you've played yeah, in Wrath and Glory. Glory. I, I played Soulbound recently. You've played well, some so. Soulbound now. Oh, you've done the works. Though. I know, Brilliant. I've done it. I've got my badges. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, now we planned <laughs> the topic for this episode way before recent news events as well so mm-hmm. the topic for this episode is diversity in warhammer so we're going to be looking at what it what it is like getting into the worlds of warhammer and the rpgs mainly but also just the grander kind of media that there is uh from a you know from fiona's perspective as in being new to the rpgs from crystal's mm-hmm. perspective again from the rpg perspective there and then impressions of i guess your historical impressions of the of the communities the games the miniatures and mm-hmm. you know walking into a shop full of yeah. stereotypical <laughs> uh, gamers um <laughs> and my impression of how things maybe have evolved over the last oh 20 30 years having <laughs> you know played the games long enough and also worked in a shop for at least three years mm-hmm. and now writing for uh the games uh before we get into that um we the, i don't think there's much of a game update to say than other than as you said Fiona, you've played in a recently a one shot of soulbound soulbound yeah that's cool we'll mostly talk more about that in context mm-hmm. um and I don't think I've done much of a wargaming other than other than well, it's part of the gaming news. So I think we'll just get into that bit now. Mm-hmm. I, I've been on deadlines, so I haven't been able yeah. to write a lot <laughs> or play a lot. I mean, <laughs> I've been writing a whole bunch though. <laughs> so yeah, gaming news uh, from. GW. Uh, so Warcry Red Harvest came out, which is this uh, new boxed game introduction to Warcry, which is an Age of Sigmar setting, skirmish game, very fast paced. Uh, scenery is freaking awesome. It's like um, <laughs> there's this place in the in the universe of Soulbound called the uh, called the All Points, and uh, they're mining this warps. Well, it's not warpstone. It's another form of warpstone called Varanite, and so it's basically a whole mining like outpost uh it's all very chaosy and there's like sluice ways and it's i've just finished painting my kit so i'm mm. dead excited to play on it it's huge um so that's fun uh it'd be great for obviously a set piece final battle for your games of soulbound so that's always a good crossover uh archives of the empire 2 is out for warhammer fantasy roleplay that has rules to play as an ogre which is totally wicked in there plus other material as well settings and story hooks and various bits uh also out for soulbound is artifacts of power which is pretty much what it says on the book you know artifacts of power spells endless spells dangerous 
doohickeys and things that exist in the uh, the mortal realms. And then for Wrath and Glory, the fourth part of the scenario series is out. So in this one, you get to play a squad of Primaris Marines. So this is like tier four, and like apparently, you know, you're facing like greater demons, Chaos Space nice. Marines galore. So it's it's properly like we go full splatterpunk like madness. Whereas like mm. the very first scenario of that series, you're just playing like guardsmen and so it, it gives you again that perspective of the same event going on on this world but from different levels of interaction mm -hmm. which is what i think is really good about wrath and glory um otherwise there's just the usual stuff there's tons of releases coming out there's some new um the really cool one for wrath and glory that i saw today is the pre-order is up for um the necromunder uh underhiver box which is basically generic kind of like underhivers and it's a multi-part kit so male and female underhivers of all sorts that you can just put the bits together in different combinations cool. which is great because then if you've got those some of the scenarios you can play in necromunda have bystanders so you can use these miniatures as the bystanders who are used as like meat shields <laughs> and get you know blown okay. apart but the oh. other cool thing is the <laughs> other terrain kit they've brought out is the is a an underhive market. So with those mm. miniatures plus the market, you can have a, like a, a shootout occur between your two the two rival gangs and have like the market just like being you know shot up and <laughs> it's very it's because Necromunda is basically an RPG. <laughs> let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's all the interesting gw news um gaming news and hobbyist kind of stuff and we'll get into the main segment so diversity in warhammer um where do we begin with this right okay i think i'm gonna i think we should start from the statement that GW put out actually um, mm -hmm. recently, like literally two two days ago of recording, maybe three days of recording. I think it was two days, yeah. Yeah, yeah November. Yeah. So this is in response to a tournament that was being run in Spain, where a player turned up on the first day nondescript clothing, on the second day wearing clothing which had uh, Nazi, you know, iconography. Yep. Uh, or fascist iconography and they were going by a moniker in the tournament of Austrian painter because every player has a moniker and of course you know you put that along with the other stuff there's some very good videos out there that address this as well and in response to what happened GW has really put out since their you know their statement a year uh, a year ago, which was in in support of Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and and that uh, the issues surrounding that, they've now put out an even stronger, I think, a stronger statement um, about how there is a difference between the material they create and the setting that is presented, which is a far future dystopian setting that has where no one's the good guys, and how that is not a you know that should not be seen as a as a lesson as a guidance you know to people having uh you know unsavory attitudes which involve you know yeah, hate absolutely. speech and mm -hmm. and obviously fascist ideologies uh etc and i think it's the first time where i think gw's ever said something so strongly and i i feel this might be the start of something they will be saying in general i think mm -hmm. this will have to be reiterated 
again and again in yes. the coming months, years, yes. uh, for that to be reflected in both how they present their material, maybe, but also mm-hmm. talk about it in general in media, and obviously how it's reflected in how tournaments and shops and etc. run as spaces which where there is freedom of speech but freedom of speech comes at a cost which is you can't also be a platform for people that given given half a chance would remove the freedoms of everyone else which is mm-hmm. you know the par- is the classic paradox so that kind of gives us a good framing point initially for mm-hmm. about diversity but i guess for you then crystal and fiona what yeah. would you say was your impression impression of Games Workshop and the settings before getting into playing either the RPGs or anything related? Like, how have you felt about the hobby and the people that play it historically? Because obviously, you're gamers for, of of for for a number of years, and so have obviously had a passing interaction with it. So, uh, Fino, do you want to go first, or should I? Uh, you you go first, and then I can follow up because I guess I come up, I come from a different angle to this. So go for it. Okay. Um. So I have um a couple of friends who had played Warhammer previously, and they were kind of my um like introduction to it. But I they had asked me because I I like to do um arts and stuff like that, and mm. and they asked me to paint their minis. Oh wow. And so my my exposure to Warhammer was painting my friends miniatures and um I I really enjoyed it. And so I had gone to look into like there was a games workshop that's really close to us that I went in to go look at and I walked in and all I got were these weird stares from people and <laughs> right. nobody talked to me. Nobody even acknowledged that I was there verbally mm. other than just just stare at me. So it was very uncomfortable. And they didn't happen to assume if they did speak to you, like you didn't have shop staff members also assume that you were obviously the girlfriend shopping for the boyfriend because I nobody mm. in the shop even talked to me. Like oh, I didn't wow. even know That's who the, the shop people were. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know who the shop people were, to be honest. Oh, no. And so I like left in a hurry because I, that was at the age where I was, I want to say either late high school or early college. So I was definitely not comfortable with being in a place like that at my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I avoided going to game workshop for so long after that oh, no. um, and avoided Warhammer in general because not only between that, but every time I witnessed stuff at conventions, because mm-hmm. I was going to Gen Con at that point, um, like so going to Gen Con and seeing some of the Warhammer games that were going on or even other minis, like people were getting into arguments there. Mm-hmm. It was not a pleasant experience to watch Mm. it was very uncomfortable and the rule like it seemed like if you didn't know the rules inside out playing the game was a burden on everybody else yep yep Mm -hmm. yep yep and uh so that was an extreme turnoff to me and then when the internet came around and was a little bit more predominant um the ideology and uh the viewpoints of taking 
that satire and actually personifying it as their personality mm. and was just really a big turnoff for me too. And it took me a long time to, to kind of even get past that to the point of where not like seeing that not every single person that plays Warhammer is like that. Yeah. So it, it was a whole bunch of things just kind of rolled up into, um, into one and then the internet on top of that, which didn't help. Yeah. So I'm like, I was really glad to see that Warhammer put out that statement, mm-hmm. but I do feel like that they needed to say it way earlier Agreed. because, because mm-hmm. um, when you write satire, sometimes, <laughs> especially for a mass audience, people miss the point. Yeah. So if oh, you're yeah. not implicit that it is satire and that you should not be admiring this type of behavior, people are going to miss that point. So well, yeah, well, there yeah. was um there was a tweet that um with uh, responding to it saying, "Oh, this is a great post, great start." Uh, it's always supposed to be satire, but satire gets lost with all the marketing materials, books, animations, video games, etc. And then it goes just says at the end, "Pro tip: Don't make Funko Pops out of the fascist characters," and then puts a a link and a picture of you know four very predominant characters who are fascist tendencies. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. It's very it's very interesting that it this that you you as you're saying this tone of satire like. For me, when I when I discovered that when, through playing RPGs, I was like, "Oh!" And it completely—I'll go on to it—but it's just it completely. I had to rethink my view because I I had obviously thought about it in a certain stereotypical way, and I didn't realize that because I'd seen all the stuff about the marketing, all the stuff and like the in jokes and stuff, which I didn't get as an outsider. So yeah, I think having I I completely agree. They're going to have to put the statement out over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I was on I was on a course recently saying that you have to over communicate and you've got to communicate like at least seven times to get your point across. So I could imagine this statement coming over and over again with more maybe a code of conduct for if they've not got them at stores or anything like that. Just to or, or, or ways to include new players who aren't necessarily from the main uh, demographic of white men. So it yeah, yeah I, I thought that was really interesting yeah. that. Yeah, here's the great statement, but it's like, yeah, but look, let's look at all the other stuff that you're selling. Hmm, let's let's, let's see. You, ha- you know, if you if you're an outsider, you're not you're not going to see the statement. You're going to see the toys. You're going to see the books. You're going to see these things. It's interesting yeah. the Funko Pops thing because of obviously, if you look at other media as well, there are characters from other media that yes. Funko Pops are made of, and you're just like thinking, is that yes. even appropriate? Yeah, so absolutely, I don't think I don't think GW is. No, it's oh, no. the only, only, <laughs> only. Oh yeah, absolutely are, not. I'm, I'm uh, not throwing accusations around. No, no, no. It but, is, I it, but I know what you mean. It, it's it without reinforcing the statement of of this is satire. It's not aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, it it um by having all these different things, it it's the danger of of trivialization of these are mass murdering um genetically modified superhumans who are barely human anymore anyway um (laughs) fiona your point of view then let's let's contrast speaking speaking of genetically enhanced humans yes Uh, no um so so from it's very it's it's very similar actually to crystal's sort of story so i i was never into miniatures or, or, or wargaming or even RPGs when I was younger I would say my experience comes within the last five years through meeting people and again I always thank the pandemic for sort of opening up the doors to, to talk to people online because I was very socially anxious as a as a kid and still am to an extent but when I was thinking about Warhammer stuff I, I have a very distinct memory of when I was in primary school so about maybe seven or eight and 
I was literally going out at lunchtime because you have to go outside in the UK. Um, and there's just this, these these boys who were just playing <laughs> Warhammer with a teacher watching them on a table. And I just happened to pass and I stopped and I watched them for about 30 seconds. And obviously they ignored me because they were playing the game and then I moved on. And I was thinking to myself what Crystal was saying, this idea that there wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, I was very lucky I didn't get any stairs or anything like that, but it was that sort of thing like when I went to like a store and I was like looking at the Lord of the Rings minis they were doing stuff like that. Nobody came over to talk to me and go, oh, are you interested? It was always usually to my dad who had no interest at all. But it was no like, whereas now we have stuff like uh, board game cafes where someone comes over and goes, oh, hey, you're here to play a game. What kind of games are you into? And is, is that already that friendly, open demeanor about it? Whereas those those times, which, you know, if a teacher turned around to me then and said, oh, would you like to, do you want to have a go? Or do you, do you know what it is? You know, I probably would have been like, oh, I'm, I don't know. But the, there was never that chance, that opportunity. And I think that's the thing that's missing is that, you know, because some people might be too shy to actually go and play, or but they might be interested in watching. So having someone be like, oh, here's, here's the main rules. Here's, oh, here's what they're doing, which I appreciate is I'm boiling it down to very, very simplistic things. But just having somebody going, oh, do you know what this is? Do you want to, you know, what what are you interested in? That would have been amazing for me. It's interesting you say that because, like, you know, I, yeah, I worked for three years. I, you know, I, mm. I can't count how many demo games I've run for mm. people. Like, I've run like five, six, seven, eight demo games in a day, mm. um, which is really hard going. <laughs> yeah, but the point, you know, on the voice more than anything else, and. It's it's sad when you say that, like because I understand like in gaming's in other gaming stores that aren't mm. run by Games Workshop mm. staff, you know whatever they do, that's up to them how they train their staff. But yeah, you know it was always drilled into me. You talk to customers, you observe what mm. they're doing, as in like are they paying interest or are they do they look a bit lost or are they just looking at the miniatures? Mm-hmm. Gauge what you can from their body language and what they're doing. But the other thing is you should. N- and I, I saw other staff doing. You should never do is don't just assume. Oh, are you here to pick up mm. X Y Z for your boyfriend or for yeah. your or kid, your dad or you or your kid? And yep. like hearing that, and given your experiences, mostly quite recent after I finished working in Games Workshop. If you had mm. those experiences in a Warhammer Games Workshop store, mm. that's kind of that that annoys me because that was <laughs> definitely not my. Um, that's, that's, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, but I would also say on the other side of it as well that from my outsider's perspective, and it's, this goes for all war games and RPGs to a certain extent, that the, when I first started out, it just always seemed like, oh, it's the stereotypical, it's a lot of nerds with a lot of dice and yeah. maths and rulers. There's always, whenever you, yep. whenever you put in to YouTube wargaming, you always see usually two men in glasses looking over a table and one of them has a ruler out. And instantly I'm like, oh, <laughs> don't, equipment, yep. no. <laughs> but it's, it's just what you were saying, Crystal, that idea of like, you're going to get something wrong. Because obviously, it's, it seems to me that obviously in wargaming that you have to be precise. Just, just again, uh. just from the viewing of it, and I'm just like, oh god, but what if I get it wrong? Obviously, now I realise, like when through basically playing one shots and going, okay, just for those audience people at home, what's the main rule again? Just so, just so we all know. But obviously, you know, I've got to that point now where I go, if I don't know, I'm just going to bloody ask because otherwise, I'm just going to be not doing anything useful in this thing and just be. A, a passerby and a bystander, which you can't really do in wargaming. So yeah. I, I just, I got, I've, I've only got the confidence to start asking questions now or check, you know, if I, oh, if I do this, will this happen? And if I'm wrong, I know I'm confident in the groups I play with. Again, very lucky to have met, you know, folks like yourselves and you know, uh, people who are like, hey, do you want to play in this game? I'm like, absolutely. I don't know anything about it. 
please tell me everything you know because i don't i i enjoy that i enjoy being told why this game is really important like when we did uh Warhammer fantasy roleplay, I was very nervous because I was just like, I don't know any of these things for that. And then I was like, oh, it's really simple. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like it, it was fun. And if we got it, if you know, if we need to check something, obviously you could just ask you, like, well, okay, so what do I need to roll? Oh, so I do this, this. Perfect. And I think that's such a key skill is that communication of like, okay, the main thing is this that you need to remember. And you don't need this extra law and stuff. It's there if you if you need it though. So um, I, yeah. I think also too now that um the the gaming industry has collectively come and has been supporting the if it works better at your table do it or if it works better mm-hmm. for yes. the story do it absolutely and um the whole you have to stick to the game system that is written as is and if you don't you're doing it wrong i think that mentality is starting mm-hmm. to go away there are still people that cling to it and um, I think that will be something that they cling to till their dying breath. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but I think they think that every like people that are coming into the industry or are willing to adapt are taking that whole mentality of you have to be strict with the rules and mm-hmm. going and doing what's best for their table in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that helps to bridge that barrier of entry. Yes. Yeah. And and the funny thing is when you say that is that actually is baked in technically in some respects is baked into to um games workshop war games since day one, actually. So, mm. so I never when I say that, that. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing well the thing is if you if you look at say um first edition Space Marine, which is the six millimeter miniatures it has on it, and also first edition 40k which was called road trader has this and it says 3d role play because first edition road trader assumes there are two players and a gm someone to adjudicate someone who sets up the scenario someone who who helps resolve the rules so that it's fair for everyone and the 52 millimeter game that they brought out called inquisitor which is the kind of where the 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 40k rpgs then you know, spilled out from and got developed from, also had a GM. Mm. And obviously, if you're playing Necromunda and you're doing a big campaign, it's expected that, yeah, you might have 10 or, you know, maybe a good dozen of people playing, but there's an arbitrator, someone that is the GM of the of the campaign. Mm. So that's all baked in since, you know, the very early days. That's That, that idea of playing with a, mm. with a GM is expected. The idea that actually you may deviate from the rules quite a lot is expected because early the early days of wargaming was not about tournaments. There were no tournaments and any of that nonsense. I hate, I personally hate tournament play. I understand the joy of it, but, yeah. you know, when you see people getting like, oh, wow, this is my perfect list for it. It's like, but you're rolling dice. You know, yeah, anything could it's happen. Like, trying to mit- yeah. mitigate randomness. Yeah, I get it, but your perfect tactics are going to always go to pot off yeah. bad dice. And you just have to live with it and go, yeah, that's just what happens. And if you look in modern, um, in current uh, Games Workshop rule books, there are three prescribed ways of play. I say prescribed ideas of play. There is open play where the points don't matter. <laughs> to take a take a take a, a certain um phrase from a well-known uh, yeah. tv show the points don't matter and you just use what you want what's fun at the table and you play out a scenario you make up the scenario whatever or you play something which is like the points kind of matter yeah and you play a more narrative campaign 
and you try and have some story in there, or you do play tournament style. So that again, there is a there is a spectrum of how you want to experience yeah. those games. How you play at home is obviously going to be different to a pickup game in a store versus a mm -hmm. tournament. Again, that's all to balance out fair play. And then there are different games these days that enable um, to make it a bit easier to get into. Like, oh, okay, so you're not too hot on measuring stuff. You're not into that. Well, you can play this game that uses hexes called yes. Underworld. So there's hexes, but you can enjoy the war. So there's different levels of experience of that you can get out of it. And so when you say like, oh, it's these people with these guys nerdy about the rolling yeah. exactly this rule and the tape measures i'm just like oh god like yeah but but that's again that's how what i feel like that's what a lot of rpgs and uh, wargaming was for yeah quite yeah. a number of people until i'd say in the last 10 years where obviously coming from my side of it obviously like D D kind of broke that a little bit and now I'm hoping in the future that all sort of RPGs and wargaming sort of breaks away. It's like you don't have to, it, this 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 image of the of the of the nerd is isn't isn't what we think it is. You know, it's not um, it's it's not it's not as clear cut. It's not the stereotypical stuff. It could be anybody. It could be any any person of color. It could uh, be any gender. It's yeah. So that that's how I see it. I will, I think the other thing I I, I was going to say before was that I was in um. Uh, sorry. Uh, I was um, I, I never liked the sort of um the way war was put, uh, depicted in general. I was never into yeah. like war films or anything like that. I grew up on stuff like Blackadder and Dad's Army and Mash and stuff. And then when it came to to Age of Sigmar, and we played it, and I was like, oh, this is this is this is this kind of comedy. This yeah, and, and again, it's what you were saying before, Crystal. Not everyone plays it this way, but I was like. Oh, this is my this is my style. I like this. It's it's great. Yeah, I think um, I mean that's that's important. Like about um, and this goes back to like the whole that what we started with the the message of the Imperium is driven by hate. It's a satire in forty k or the same in the other settings. Is that I think if you know you can play these games, play the RPGs as well. Ultra serious, like th this is a serious world where serious things happen. But so if you do that, but so long as you know that and allow the dark comedy to come out and understand the ridiculous kind of world that it is, then that's where the, the humour comes from. And it's it's the same way, like, you know, um, and even I read a tweet, like, the, the creators of Judge Dredd had to, had to explain to some fans of Judge Dredd that, no, Judge Dredd is, like, a warning. And again, like Judge Dredd, 40K is born out of a time period of, you know right-wing politics dominating um, uh, the UK and, you know, Thatcher and so forth. There's a reason why certain orc names, like, like let's just, like, there's a classic orc character uh, called um, uh, Gazgul Thracker. His full name is Magagruk Gazgul Thracker. So that's meant to be a play on Margaret Thatcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing, um, I love that. Yeah, so... It's born out of it, and you only have to look at the classic artwork in in 40k. Um, again, you do see that satire. And I think there's there's clear that through Games Workshop his Games Workshop history, there was an evolution of the artwork, his evolution of what they were trying to present. Obviously, the change in the company that's more complicated of what the shareholders wanted. They were trying to sell games and sell miniatures to people, develop the IP, and along that progress, the satire while is still there is not signposted as heavily 
I think that's the yeah, the problem. Exactly. It's not, but yeah. I say it's not signposted heavily. But then I do feel still happy when you look at like Necromunda and you do see like and the uplifting primer, like they do the little web posts of the Imperial mm. web, uh, uplifting primer. Some of that's coming back in because you look at it, and go, oh, here's this advert for corpse starch, and it's just completely <laughs> nonsense and. It's horrific, but it's complete nonsense and hilarious mm. in how ridiculous it is. Mm. Um, okay, so we've kind of got your first impressions and getting into it. So I think we've got an idea of what was the turnoff with, was it complex or how it appeared complex or it appeared like a it, it was gatekeeped uh, or or just dealing with staff members who should have known better. And I would have told, I personally would have told off, like, even though I was only a key timer. But <laughs> I'll, I'll take years. I'll take you to the place, Chris. You can come and I'll be oh, I, like, I, that guy there. <laughs> yeah, I'll just let you on him. <laughs> but, you know, it, seriously, in, in the in the train documents, that we were literally told not to do that type of stuff. So it's really bad that that, that ever happened to you guys. So um, to you two, that's really bad. That's that's awful. It just makes me feel so sad. Um, so what was cool? What looked cool? Because obviously there's a lot of you know monsters and space marines and demons and stuff, and a lot of body horror as well to a certain extent. Mm. That's um, they're able to. But what looked cool? What what made you go like? I still kind of want to get my teeth into this. The minis, like I I love minis, and I loved painting my friends' minis. Um, mm. And when people started posting their armies of like the hello kitty army mm-hmm. i was like hell yeah i that love was, that yeah, stuff so bloody cool yeah 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 yes and taking it and making it their own and um uh yeah like <laughs> even me like i was looking through and i was finding like the mushroom stuff for for warhammer mm. and i was like i love mushrooms why didn't i know about this stuff um you know, like I would buy an entire army, never probably, well, I might play it now, but you know, like at the time, never play it, but have a whole army of mushrooms just around my apartment because I love it. <laughs> More than applicable with, with uh, gobos and Age of Sigma, they're all about their mushrooms. Yes. Um, <laughs> and Fiona, what, what to you was like, that's cool or, you know, what really grabbed your attention and made you like get ideas? It's. I think for me, it was all about like when when we were doing the role playing games because the worlds were so different to what I expected. Um, I guess because I'd not my sort of sci fi knowledge in general was sort of you know, Star Trek or that sort of thing where it's like an idealistic version of how things are. But this was like, mm. oh, you can have you know an ongoing war which is sort of grim dark but it's it's pointless or going to that sort of medieval style and it was just a vast range of here's something you can do it all with this sort of conflict in the background and that's what i always find really interesting in role-playing games is that you know we sometimes use them to get away from conflict we get a you know to experience like you're on an adventure and all that sort of thing but actually how do players and how how do you cope when there is something much bigger than yourselves going on are you and there's a great um i Appreciate I'm bringing it back to sort of D and D in a way, but the Critical Role had this great big uh, source book come out called Ex- Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, and I in love it, that book. it's such a good book because it talks about okay, in the story there's a huge uh, war going between two empires, and it says what do you want to do in terms of how do you present war? Do you want your players to be right at the front? That's going to be a big part of war. Do you want it in the background? You can have it as a background thing, or do you want it at all? 
just set the game maybe a few weeks, uh, months ago. You know, before mm-hmm. it's still this sort of this Cold War stuff going on instead, rather than Fallout War. And then it said something really interesting. It was like, okay, so if they do want full war and they want to be a part of it, they need to realize that that means they're going to, if they're in the army, then a lot of it is, you know, regimented that you have to follow certain uh, you know, protocols and stuff, which role playing doesn't necessarily allow. You know, they want to do their own stuff. So there was always sort of cool ideas going on, and I was like, oh, actually, that's really cool for storytelling because you know, what about those people who? don't not necessarily know any better but like just don't know what to do that they're doing this for other purposes it's not necessarily for the great empire it's just for them to get food back home or to to survive you because a life their life back home might not be very good and it's just i for me that was just like oh here's some different settings and different ways to explore that and and i just that's the thing that got me was like oh you can play you know space marines or you can play peasants or as I've recently discovered through um, Soulbound, uh, Champions of Death, you could play monsters, and that was super mm. fun. You know, so it's just just all these different ways of doing it, which is sort of contained in this sort of huge, massive lore verse. And I was just like, actually, this is really cool. As a result, I, I, did, I hadn't really. I feel very narrow-minded in my sort of fantasy and sci-fi is sort of separate. And then I was like, actually, there's all these other things you could put in there. So that that's what it was to me. Just I could make different stories. You know, and still, I don't know, connect it in some way. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, Warhammer. You know, I mean, Warhammer 40k was originally designed to be the Warhammer f- fantasy universe in the far future, and then they kind of disconnected it more and more um, in the early days, and then definitely have disconnected it. But obviously, there's that overlap um, yeah, of absolutely. themes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Warhammer Warhammer fantasy is an interesting one, and it's difficult in some respects with the setting because it is a pastiche of the real world uh because the wild yeah. world map is the real world map with with extrapolations and other things and yeah. so it makes it kind of problematic previously with how they've done some groups absolutely um yeah. and also when it comes to like gender representation 40k is a weirder one because you've got space rings they're all you know male they're apparently all male they're barely male in my books anyway because they're not even really human um and and then soulbound i think really kind of readdresses a lot of the previous problems of the two settings because you know for example stormcast eternals could be male and female or or could could have been male at death and female in their rebirth as a stormcast eternal um and in death does gender even matter when you're a ghost i don't know mm. um <laughs> you know, one of... yeah i was gonna say but that's a good point as well again that's something i made down in my notes was that i actually never considered um females on the front line uh, in a sense, just because in the UK, women were only allowed to be on the front line very recently, like in, in our yeah. modern armies and stuff. So it was just never something I considered, like seeing myself as a man. So again, that's another, maybe another turn off in a way. It was like, oh, it's not for me because I can't do that, which is so stupid because, <laughs> you know, because obviously there's, you know, of course there are women fighters and resistance fighters and, and there are people that do that there. But I just, because I guess it's like, oh, it doesn't affect me in my real life. Why would I want to play a fantasy version of it? Which is so narrow minded mm. of myself. And only recently has that sort of changed, and I'm actually going, oh, of course I can try these games. What's stopping me? Nothing. Like it's the same thing. It's like painting minis. Anyone can do that. You don't have to be a certain gender to do that. Doing war games, you don't have to be a certain gender. It's, it, it, and that's me unlearning. I think uh, through, I think maybe society. Maybe just again that sort of thing where seeing other people play it and going, oh, that's not for me because I don't see myself there, or 
or anything like that. I, I, I don't know. It, it was very interesting thinking about this sort of talk and like going, actually, who held me back, really? It was kind of myself, I think, and not realising that there's so many options there. So maybe it's just getting that push into the right direction and going, yeah, actually, I could be a female space marine and fight on the front line. <laughs> so for both of you, is there anything within the, the settings in any of the game's settings, anything that you think is a real turn off currently you just go i wish that could just be a that could be that could be better um so so from a a game design perspective uh now that i like now that i've played through all three of them and some level i'm always one of those people that i'm like i'm just going to break the rules if it doesn't work for me because uh you know like space marines they're you know essentially genderless but they're male so Mm -hmm. but why like (laughs) yes there's like a a story behind it but why do they have to be genderless male why can't it be female or why can't you know they have some sort of gender identity that is other that is that may not be male female or non-binary it could just be something else like why are you why are you putting walls up when you could have so much more. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, if it like, I don't think of it as, Oh, well, this is now a turnoff to me at this point in my life, because I have played around with rules. I've rewritten rules. I rewrite, you know, I, I write magic to break rules. So I can do this in my own gaming now too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I, so, think yeah. I mean, I, I approach, <laughs> I approach now space rings in my head as they're kind of like Nephilim. Like like yeah. they're, and angels, they're gen- they're meant to be. They're called the angels of death. So they're they're of a god emperor. So that, to me, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, they're 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 genderless angels. You know, they're like you know in um dogma. Like where are my? Bo- I don't have any parts. Mm. Like oh, that was um, a ba- the best scene ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I agree. Like um, I think I I don't see any reason for why uh they should even identify with with gendered names um Agreed. i guess that's why angelic names work from as well quite quite well anyway mm. then in some respects because angelic names feel genderless sometimes mm. yeah um right. okay that's cool um i, I mean Jane, for me, what, yeah I was yeah, say, yeah sorry uh for me um and this is definitely a more me as a gm looking into stuff i would love to have some intro lore videos or how-to videos which are not over 20 minutes long and just stuffed full of content where it's just somebody reading off their screen. I know that there are loads of other, um, like I know Warhammer have got a great series of like how to uh, play Age of Sigma, which has got Becca Scott uh, fronting it and stuff like that. Yeah, and she's they're all, great with those. She's great. Or she's a great um, how to you know, player anyway. But it's just like, um, for me, it's uh, like, yeah, I, I, I like having very short five-minute introduction video, which is the main mechanic, essentially, you know, so it's that's that's why I like. I'd also done professionally like, but it doesn't have to be professional, you don't have to have a huge studio or anything like that, it could literally be, um it could literally be like, you know, it's just somebody talking off screen, but it's it's just a bit more interesting and a bit engaging, like, just actually talking to the camera, like, looking into the camera and just be like I'm really excited because this is a really cool mechanic because it does this, and just giving that saying, rather than just someone going, okay here's, here's me reading 
a huge paragraph off a screen to nobody. It's just, I, I absolutely hate those videos. And it happens not just in Warhammer, I will say. It happens in a lot of role-playing <laughs> games. And it's it happens fucking in, dull. It happens, in, it happens in science and technology. Exactly. Um, yeah. You, yeah. You, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is why the approach of how we do the Dark Hammer deep dives on particular fas- factions um, are not, you know, we're not reading verbatim from a book. It's it's very offhand kind of but internalized I... knowledge made real. But I think I think Warhammer Plus, their Games Workshop streaming service, have some like lore videos. Yeah. Um, that I've not watched yet, but I imagine because they're obviously produced in house by people that know the settings so well that it would come off very natural. And when I've watched their stream the streamed games they do explain the rules especially for their intro videos so again you know it's it's yeah it, it's taking the time to want to talk about the rule or, or, or whatever it is and spell it out but again spelling it out without like looking like you're reading off an auto cue that's um it's hard it like it's I, it I, is hard it's, it's, it takes a lot of practice and stuff and i think that's the thing is the difference between okay you've now got the knowledge and stuff now how do you communicate it in a way that will get people no, in and i guess no, I the problem is, is that you get people who are um you know, are like themselves who are happy to this i'll read it off and obviously but obviously if you're getting people who are and i do say this as a content developer you know people who are just scrolling through videos and they say oh here's a 10 minute video on in how to play Warhammer 40k and then you look at it and it's just somebody reading off screen there isn't big cuts there's not their excitement they're like oh no no thanks and it's just kind of kind of sucks really that's that's how I see mm. it but um I will say yeah there's a there's a great video that I checked out which is like yeah I can't remember it's got it learned to play Warhammer which I think is just on the Warhammer YouTube I believe yeah. it's voiced by Pe- Penelope Rollins and again, it's just mm-hmm. a very short five minutes, and it's it's all CGI or, or sort of done in a way, which again, I know not many people can do, but it was just like, this is really interesting. And the person is like, obviously a professional voice actor, but it, it just contains oh, everything you needed right. into an intro. So yeah, stuff like that, I love. Yeah, I, I will also say, I will point, I, I when I've watched Becca Scott do the how to play videos for, for GW's products versus other people's products, I don't know who scripts stuff at Games Workshop, but when it, but whoever scripted it for Becca Scott from GW versus other scripts that she gets for other how to play things and promotional stuff, she comes off very different. And I think it's it yes, might be she because does. the people writing it are, are a UK people, obviously scripting it from Games Workshop. And so I think they, they it just feels, it com- weirdly comes off more natural. Like it's, it's a bit weird. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't really like this playthrough. And then it was like, I watched her do like the how to play, I don't know what was it Necromunda even. I was like, mm-hmm. hold on a minute, this is really good. So it's, yeah. it's amazing what a, a, even a script difference will make. Yeah, I, I highly recommend checking out Becca Scott. She's on, I think she's on Geek and Sundry as well, where she just does. Yeah. Here's how to play this board game, and she's just again, it's just a great personal, you know, personability to her as well. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and I want to fit in a few more things before we finish up. Um. What things do you feel then could do you do you feel like Games Workshop could do has done well or could do better for you know diversity and representation? I know that's a huge question. <laughs> I'm not going to answer it. Wow, yet. I was going to say who's going to answer that question? <laughs> um, okay, so I think I'll go first with that. Um, I think a couple of things, and I think this is in general for like the gaming industry, is that um, 
if there is something that is implied in your work, you need to also communicate that outside. So for instance, um, with, with Warhammer specifically with the whole, you know, this, this is, you know, the people should not be reflecting the, the inspirations for this stuff. You know, um, we don't welcome them in our community when they do stuff like this. Um, this, that needs to be repeated multiple times. And I think that even like endorsing things such as different viewpoints of how space Marines are like, I know um, that there is, I'm part of like um, Commissar Corps on uh, Facebook who literally does all of this stuff. They are not affiliated with uh, Games Workshop, but they do all of this stuff through memes and through conversation and stuff like that. Um, where they're like, no, this is a spoof. Here is other things that take the tropes that are in here, turn them upside down. They still fit in the world. And if you don't like that, that's a you problem, not not an us problem that enjoy this type of thing. Yeah, that, I think um, that's really important um, because one of the rules I think that Games Workshop has, well, I, I feel it's a, not a rule, but it's like Im is implied, but again, needs to be reinforced, is that there is canon the, the the but the settings are so huge that everything is canon and not canon at the same time like yes like like even the novels like the dan abnett novels of eisenhorn are kind of considered the abnett verse of games workshop because there's certain things which don't quite reflect mainline games workshop 40k um same with the rpgs same with you know marines in the war game are not as powerful as they really should be. A single Marine should be murdering like 100, 200 people quite happily on their own um, rather than just getting killed by 10 guardsmen uh, in, on the tabletop. Um, but that's, that's, that's media and cinema for you. But I agree because like you've got the cut, you've got the little um, comics, which are ridiculous that they do the um, little yeah. cartoons, which again, take the, the Mickey out of things. And then there's the kids books. There's the young adult books, which again, take a different spin on things and so i think it's I, I agree it's like you know again that fits into that purpose of you know um reinforcing that message that there is more to the the game the settings and that this is a spoof or this isn't is satire hmm. yeah i think and I th go oh. for it no go for it go oh for it. I, I was gonna say i think also their art direction um because uh mm. um again like their um their art direction um, in general in past has been for the male gaze. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I know that the story behind the um, specifically the female like um, model and uh, the other one that I just found out about that I'm not blanking on the name for, but the ones that like have a crisis of faith um, uh and then they have to go through this whole like trial by fire, essentially, where they done no um, armor. The Sister Repentia. And... Sister Repentia, there. Yeah. Um, which is a really cool story that is written for the male gaze rather than for the female gaze. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that if they take those, because like I would love to play that. I do not want to be objectified when I do so. <laughs> um and so if they take those those concepts and everything like that and shift them to a female audience, which I know I'm there's they're having more and more female writers or writers that are non-binary or don't identify um, 
uh, CIS or anything like that, they're having more of those writers on board able to take those things and make them accessible to others. Um, and even, I would love to see them take on the other cultures as well mm. to bring in those viewpoints into Warhammer fantasy in a way mm-hmm. that is respectful, um, but also yeah. gives and opens up that uh, that setting to, to more and more people. I do want more people to come in and I do want more people to experience you know settings and uh have fun with it because it is a lot of fun now that i've gotten through that barrier um and i think that that's something that they could probably do a little bit better to to help make things more diverse in their own settings yeah i mean that was something we we picked up in the last episode of dark hammer with uh rob was about the bretonia as a setting because bretonia is like chivalry and knights and pseudo arthurian and has compared to the empire uh you know a, a much more distinct male female roles in it and we looked at like do you you know that's at the table do what the heck you want like in the rpg if you want to play women who are knights just do it like don't it's a, it's a fucking elf game right do what you want um but also <laughs> it is also an interesting fre- it is also you, if you're playing characters from the Empire going into that setting, into that land, then actually maybe retaining it is useful for f- people that are playing female or, or other presenting characters from the Empire who go, this country is backwards. So I think sometimes it's, uh, there's opportunities there, but I, I understand what you mean. Like, you know, we need less male gays in, in games. I'd also say on that topic, and this relates back again back to the Imperium is driven by hate, Warhammer is not statement. Um... But I think this is a symptomatic of of maybe a particular art styles these days as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Is I am sick of seeing clean space male space you know male presenting clean space marines. They should look so they should look haggard. so haggard <laughs> by war. You can't tell. Um, and this is the difference between art style now versus like you look at the classic pen and ink style artwork. You look at the classic John Blanche artwork. I understand some of the classic John Blanche artwork, especially for Inquisitor with like the Death Cult Assassins is very male gazy. Um, I think though, you know, it's it's a real it's a tough one because on the one hand it's like it's very male gazy and on the other hand also people really like that classic kind of heavy metal kind of fantasy style from the 80s and it's like where does you know you've got that kind of you've got that horrible crossing point between representation and diversity plus versus style and sometimes it gets lost in the mix where you get very clean stylistic work which then becomes like you've basically just done cgi photoshop airbrushing of boobs i'm sorry to say or boob armor and it's just like that's not good enough they need to look like they're going to fucking kill you (laughs) and it doesn't matter what they're wearing Um, exactly yes they need to be scary because the 40k universe Mm -hmm. the warhammer universe soulbound are scary places Mm -hmm. um fiona what do you feel could be done better or what do you feel has been done well and what could be done better in terms of diversity oh it (laughs) Um, yeah, let me, hang on. I think for me, yeah, sorry guys. Um, I think for me, one thing I would love to see, and I appreciate this has maybe already been done. I say this as a complete 
novice to Warhammer and to streaming and all that sort of thing. I would love to see more streamed games of either the Warhammer uh, RPGs or, or of games themselves with more female representation or more people of colour. I am sure they are out there. I am sure they are there. But it does feel like sometimes you, like looking for a unicorn in a forest of lots and lots of trees. Um, I know they're out there, and I, you know, I, I want, I want to see more than just one female presenting person on a on a on a one shot. You know, I, and that, that's why I, I I asked my friends recently uh, after coming onto this podcast. I was like, is there any re- recommendations and stuff that they would uh, offer to me? And they very kindly put together some you know, interesting people. Like, you know, for example, Annie Norman. Who runs a miniatures company at Bad Squiddo Games? Who does realistic de- uh, depictions of female miniatures mm-hmm. and it's stuff like that, which I would not have known about. But like searching for this sort of thing, maybe it's just my algorithm's not very good or anything like that. So that I, it's yeah, I know yeah. of Bad Squiddo. They're they're cool, <laughs> really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, that's it. and that's the thing. I, it's one of those things where I just wish there was more signposting or maybe more like, hey, we're having I don't know, uh, female only tournaments or underrepresented minority tournaments which again and this is just me saying this out loud i i'm sure there are ways and there's definitely better ways of phrasing that a hundred percent but i just feel like there isn't anything like that and so again you get that for me that stereotypical it's two men in glasses with a ruler right so i i would love to see more um more like two women playing against each other in Warhammer uh, or, or a female GM running Soulbound, all that sort of thing. I am sure they're out there. I just, I, I just can't find I it can at all. I can say one of the best Games Workshop stream games they did, and I don't know whether it's available on their YouTube at all. I hope it is. Their, their playthrough... So they had some staff members who worked not in the studio. So they, we're talking staff members who are basically like accounts and, you know, managing the website people who aren't creatives, playing Blackstone Fortress. And it was two guys and two gals mm-hmm. who, were, who were playing that. And they were just like, this sounds great. And they just wanted to stream that. And so the Warhammer TV guys, you know, the guys mm-hmm. who do all the stream stuff, media bit, just just streamed them playing that. Because it was just like, you're a fun group. We'll just yeah. want to see you play. And it was really nice to see them play that. because uh, A, because it's a cooperative game. But also just because I think... It was just people enjoying the game, not trying to promote it in any particular way. I mean, yeah, of course I it think was, that's, actually, but it wasn't, that's, yeah. know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think there's always that thing, oh, they've brought them out, they've wheeled them out for the special. That's, yeah, and that's, I, my, that's, and that's my yeah. fear as a streamer, uh, as some, as a content creator, and I think, I, I, I'm sure, Crystal, you have the same kind of, you know, feelings sometimes. It's like, you go, I want to play with these people because they're fun to play with. Not exactly. that I've picked you out because you are filling a tick box like yeah. it's question yep. time, and that's why it always feels painful to me. It's like, am I, am I, you know, am I being genuine? Like, I, I do want to game with you. I really do. Not because you're filling a, a, a you know, a quota, um, and that's, you know, that's painful in any industry. It's painful in sciences as well. Just speaking from like experience um oh yeah absolutely but but that said I'll, I'll rest assure you chris that when you ask me to play i'm always like great you have no idea what i'm about to do <laughs> to your game so probably i assume you wouldn't <laughs> invite me back if if i wasn't you know so i do think there's, there's two ways of going about it. that's how i see it but yeah i would love to see more people representation just from behind the screen in front of the screen talking about it like obviously i know there's a load of female presenting uh miniature painters and stuff like that and yeah. that are on uh, warhammer tv and all that sort of thing so it is I know there is. They are out there. 
I just find it when I when I Google you know, the big great I know, big search, yeah. I can't find anything. And I think that's maybe it's just my algorithm that I'm just not. Well, also on the it. other hand, they're mostly trying to say sometimes there's an element of wanting to keep quiet just because there is that vocal minority of and that is completely fair as dick well. Bags out there, um, mm. <laughs> absolute foul uh, hobbyists. Yes, um, okay, uh, very briefly then. Um, some other things which I think is important, like Warhammer. I say going back to Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and this same problem with Game of Thrones, any type of historical thing. Fuck historical accuracy. Uh, yes. You have to watch um, <laughs> the stream I was on with the guys from the Rookery that included writers from all four editions and creators and developers from all four editions of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. It's fuck historical fantasy uh, accuracy. So, um, you know, either if, if your players want to use to play that it feels like that by all means all power to you but you throw out the window the moment it's an impediment to your enjoyment um that's what i say so i think always it's you can play interesting stories with the limitations or you can play interesting stories without it depending on what you want to get out of it so yeah i think that's the main thing um Mike and I have talked before, there's some problematic things in Warhammer Fantasy, like the Stragani, who are basically the Roma. Um, you want to re-examine some of these in classic Warhammer Fantasy uh, novels and content and maybe just think a little bit harder about how you use that group or or ethnicity, ethnic group that's within the Warhammer Fantasy so they're not so stereotyping of a real-world group. Um yeah, um, same goes for 40k on that one. Uh, I think 40k, though, obviously you can do anything and everything in between the gaps because it's a huge fucking universe where everyone's killing everyone, so that's fine. I think the main issues in 40k I would have are, we've said about Space Marines, we've said about Sisters of Battle, about... I think the main problems with 40k, am I right, is, is male gazing on on stuff. Like, mm-hmm. there's, such, mm-hmm. uh, there's such an amount of stuff mm-hmm. you can do anything. Just don't turn it into male the worst male fantasy possible like it's just if if someone's gonna tell me i can't do something because i identify as a woman you better bet i'm gonna do it (laughs) right um exactly exactly like it's there's just too much it's too big a universe to be to have limitations um also going back to 40k especially uh it is a fascist dictatorship setting you do have room for heroes in a horrible world and we've we've done a podcast about this haven't we crystal about how you can either do the stories where you are a true hero in a horrible world but you eventually may die because the universe is a hate-filled place and doesn't like heroes existing or you are a hero relative to the fact the world is fucking awful and so the interesting question is what is the cost of trying to save a million people you may have had to have sacrificed a billion people just to save one world it's weird it's weird moral dilemmas like that which are fun and interesting to i say fun but are interesting to play out in that setting um yeah that's what i would say with 40k um and my my take homes on that if anyone's Mm -hmm. got any other points to jump in on that one I think for me, because obviously, like you said, the whole, you know, it is, you know, it, it's very hard to master that it is, you know, a fascist, all the, all those sort of things. And I think now more than ever, it's important to have those conversations. Like I know, I'm sure you've sp- folks have talked about the, you know, boundaries and foundries, uh, you know, mm-hmm. session zero, X card, all those sort of things, which I know people feel like, oh, do we need that? Oh, safety stuff. But actually, I think it's important to talk about 
okay, we're going to talk about a story that does involve fascism, that some of the elements might feel very real to people playing yeah. now, you know, and real life politics stuff like that. Is this fun for everyone at the table? And if one person goes, I, no, I don't know, then the answer is no. And then it's together making sure that everyone has that, co- uh, like, has a chance to be uh, contribute to a story, but at the same time feel that you know they're not they're not contributing it at a you know at pain of trauma or anything like that. And I think that's so important. This like because like I said, for me the thing that the big turnoff for me with Warhammer was that it's about war, and I don't find any enjoyment in that. But when I realise it, it's not necessarily about that, and you can change your play for that. I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Going oh, and it changed again that unlearning that thing about it's not just about war is glorious. Because it's not, and it's about no. the little people. It's about making those stories count. Because stories about the people in the war is actually really important. You know, we you hear about the stuff about you know obviously the Blitz and 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 World War Two and even to like sort of the Vietnam Wars and all that sort of thing. And actually, these these stories are important. So I and I I shut myself off from that completely because I was like I don't want to deal with that with the glorification of it. But actually. It's it's about like okay, but you know, finding those streams to do it. So that's why I think session zeros and and having that just honest chat with people, going okay, so what is it? And you don't have to justify why you like it or why you don't. Oh, sorry, why you don't like it. But as long yeah. as as long as everyone knows about it, we're not playing this sort of like oh, you know, this guessing game of mind readers. You know, it's I think also it's yeah. a tunable experience as well. My exactly. my nephew who is five has <laughs> obviously discovered tabletop miniatures. Um, Excellent, and he is enjoying rolling dice and measuring things and he is learning sportsmanship slowly um and painting <laughs> oh, miniatures chris does he keep beating you that's what's happening no 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 his his dad is um his dad is obviously enjoying enjoying painting miniatures uh, as a break from his day job and stuff there's a calmness to it but also you know he my nephew is learning sportsmanship slowly and learning that it's okay to lose but the thing is it's it's perfectly okay for him to that nephew to enjoy space marines as heroes because space marines do defend worlds from gribblies like tyranids yeah and saving children and saving citizens and that's that's actually a perfectly fine experience so that dial can be tuned more and more to the realities as he grows up so i'm perfectly happy that his view of it is my nephew's view of it is very much more kind of black and white, but and that, that's that's so wonderful as well. I, again, I hadn't even considered that that kind of wargaming could be accessible to younger, uh, not younger audience. Which obviously, in my end, old teenagers, but actually even younger than that. If you games workshop do packages yeah. that you a whole program for scout scouts and girl guides things, you know things like that, and um, and I think even Duke of Edinburgh actually. For, that's so, inc- you know, I didn't even know that. See, and that's mm-hmm. the thing again. I just assumed it wasn't for those people. And yet, no, yeah, there's all there. it's creative writing, I, art skills, and yeah. maths. And I've also on Sundays taken the time out to go through rules with kids that have uh, learning difficulties uh, and and hindrances that they have there, and just go through to make their lives easier. Because obviously, in the 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 absolute madness of on a Sunday of you know a half dozen kids learning how to play 40k. There's one kid that in that environment has really struggled. So it's like, you know, it's okay. Let's have a bit of quiet and go through what we did. But that's just me teaching in general. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but it's that showing that it is accessible to anyone. It doesn't it matter. It is accessible to anyone. And, and, but it's, again, it's that signposting it to everyone. And like I said, I, I, I feel like 
such a novice in a way because I, I again I just assumed one thing for years and years and years and then only this year through playing it I'm like oh my goodness there's so much here I'm an idiot why have I not done it sooner why have I not looked at this sooner so that's that's how I feel going coming away from it. it's just like there is so much for it how can I how can I use this for my own benefit I also think that my confidence in like being able to talk about Warhammer and stuff has grown but that's because um like I had a great like safety net for of people to kind of ask questions to. Agreed. Yes. And we're really self-deprecating not, about our nerd games. <laughs> did, did, did not. Yeah, they like you guys did not at all like see me as a burden and answered all of my questions. And I was like, no, you can totally do this, or you know, like you're the best well, commissar in the universe. <laughs> I I love I loved her. So we'll be back to we'll be back to play that at some point. I hope soon. so. I I, hope I, I actually want to play still want to run my um uh Wrath and Glory upside down tropes game. Ah, interesting. I think that'd be fun. Um, and then I'm gonna finish off. Like I feel soulbound in the whole you know new Warhammer. Um, I think it's the most accessible of all of them because it's such so, epic, yeah. insane. Um, you know, it, it's Gilgamesh, it's it's Greek myth, it's Norse myth style fantasy, but with the Warhammer kind of veneer. Um, but you can play anything pretty much in that. There's there's literally almost zero barrier to what you play as. I mean, sure, we've got some of the classics like witch elves, but they are all murderous, and they are not. They are not like you go. Oh, they look nice. No, they'll kill you. They'll they'll gut you. There's nothing nice about them. Um, they're they they are a pretty. They're they're pretty, but pretty death uh yep. and like how we've talked about slanesh has evolved a lot over the years um and yeah i think there's i think ultimately i feel there has been i don't know how you feel about it but there's there's definitely a movement of how games workshop presents its games and its settings but it's yeah, and there's a conversation that's constantly evolving i feel like that statement they brought out recently is is just another step along this because I think I think it's clear. I, I in my gut feeling is that if this if they weren't addressing this more, be more loud about addressing these problems, that they're going to have more that possibly staff internally and partners are going to have issues with Games Workshop not addressing this. Like, why do we want to make miniature? Why do we want to make products like okay. even fucking um, scented candles? when Nazis are going to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, right? <laughs> yeah, um, you, need, you need to be proactive rather than reactive. And I think, like you said, this 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 statement's come about because of this incident in Spain. And like you said, it, it should be something that they've come about a lot sooner. What I'm hoping from, from this point is that people do feel empowered to say, hey, that's not okay, you know, and, and make a big point about it. But I know that obviously the comments underneath every... Is that whole thing? Don't read the comments, right? Because they're like, oh no. It's oh not yeah, good. don't yeah. read the comments. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna. No, and... but it, I guess yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like I'm again. I it should have happened a lot sooner. We're thinking again. D and D's done something similar as well, saying you know we're obviously trying to get more diverse writing involved and all that sort of thing. But it's that sort of thing. Go. These things take time. So I whilst I'm I'm very happy to see such a good statement. I don't know whether things are gonna happen. Like in the next couple of months, is there going to be a code of conduct? Is there going to be more stuff yeah. about it? Have a more influx, uh, not more influx. Have a bigger influx of female presenting uh, on the Warhammer U YouTube. Uh, you know, more women talking about it, more 
painters on the Warhammer TV stuff. Uh, like again, I I, I say this. If as you go on Warhammer no TV, um, yeah. one of the core painters right now, um, oh, I can't remember her name, but she's really, it's really good. She's really awesome at what she paints. Um, I'm, I feel really bad. I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now, but that's just the uh, yeah. There's what there's one I know called Electra of Eve on Instagram that used to be on Warhammer TV. Mm. Her stuff. She's she's been commissioned in like other big streams and stuff like that. That's the other, the other thing I was going to say is that I think the problem, part of the problem of where we've where we are currently with with hobbyist kind of like you know, games and everything is back when our hobby was rather niche, and I say niche as in it wasn't so mainstream with Critical Role and yeah. and so forth. Yeah, Even yeah, Games yeah. Workshop didn't have computer games and you know didn't have adverts for a you know a weekly part works and shit like that. I think gamers were trying to be were being very big tent as in oh everyone we're a big tent we let everyone in so everyone can play because we were desperate for yeah, people to play yeah. again yeah we're not desperate anymore for people to play against i don't feel and so there is no need to go oh that's just an opinion let's not have arguments here we're just here to play games because games aren't political it's like no games are fucking political and uh, this is me yeah. And and this is me a stab at the fact like I've had written an article about, you know, the issues again about dog whistles and so forth and the issues historically with World of Darkness. And the very first comment on a on that article that I wrote was by someone going, What's wrong with being a national socialist? And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like Whoa. Okay. And and one of the things the the problem with that was that oh we shouldn't get we shouldn't be arguing with that person we're all here just to play games and I was like no fuck that like this is a person saying they're yeah. a Nazi outright loud they're saying the silent things loud yep and so we don't need to be that big tent anymore we should never be that big tent um there's plenty of people to game against because we have the internet to find people who are yeah. hopefully like minded in the best possible way. Um, out, out of interest, and I, I don't, I appreciate this might not make the podcast. Do does Warhammer have stuff like community managers and stuff? Because I know Pezo recently has had similar issues with people on their forums, sort of thing, you know, hate and stuff like that. But because there's no community managers, it's very hard they, to, or, the, you know, don't. So Games Workshop don't, Games Workshop don't have forums. They just have sure. their Facebook pages for mm. their stores, and they have the Facebook pages for each the game lines and warhammer team uh so they don't have a they do dedicated space have, per se they do have to talk about it yeah. no but they do have, have staff looking at comments and removing things i was gonna or, say or communicate they, they went on a, with those people of course they can talk about the content they can talk about the ip anyone can do that but to make sure warhammer or those or anything ip terms are not directly in the titles of said um content creators mm. Yeah, no, I just find, I just find it interesting because again, because community managers and that sort of thing do do help again curate and stuff like that. But again, that's yeah. more for like discords and forums and stuff. Like that. I, I didn't really know. Yeah, they don't have a discord. Or... Sort of thing. No. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. Uh, they do obviously have um, uh, community management on their Twitch streams as well. So of course, that makes sense. People there that are yeah. moderating comments. Yeah, so they do do that. Um, I just think it's you know I think the the. I think the take home is it's a long journey from being a game that was created by a bunch of hippie nerds back in the eighties who were trying to say strong things about the the politics and the 
government and and the world they were in back then to where we are now and i feel many of the problems that were mostly those said creators were were facing then or felt strongly about are very loud right now in the world that we're in and so games workshop has to be equally loud about this is fucking satire and that anyone can play these games except for those fascists out there who would want to do horrible things to people and also i'm going to say this because i I, another thing i'm going to pick up on because it really fucked me off and thank god this is dark hammer i could say like i could say it fucked me off um the comments you get back like by people going oh but are you going to ban people wearing communist symbols what about people that wear symbols of socialism and it's like oh my god right okay first of all and i said this in my on my article about world of darkness as well right i have an issue as much with with totalitarian fascist dictatorships who are Nazis as much as I I have a problem with Maoist or communist fascism because socialism does not necessarily mean fascism and does not necessarily mean controlling your lives in the same way as fascists or anything anywhere near that there's you know to start implying the one thing is nonsense so trying to do weird whataboutism or straw man type arguments like that is complete nonsense bollocks and so, um, but equally, yeah, I'm right. I, I feel I, I well, I, I, I'm, I feel I'm right in saying that as much we shouldn't have symbols of one particular hate group. There are other hate groups and other fascist ideologies out there, or, or other groups that would want to do certain things that also don't have a place. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? That's I think. But like you said, I think most there's all everything is political. Even if you say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not into politics," that's instantly taking a stand in politics yeah. right so i think yeah. that's the thing i think being aware of that and it's that whole thing about oh i don't have politics in my game you're like well think about it the structures the infrastructure like how society works politics is involved in that and how do you feel about that so i think it's that having that open conversation in session zero instead like you know and you don't have to know everything this is the thing like i i will say this completely right i have no idea what's going on in this country and whether that's because i know everything about politics and still don't know what's going on or if i have no image no idea what's going on you know <laughs> But I, I feel like it's it's but it's an important part because it affects every aspect of my life, even if I don't think it does. I think it has an indirect influence. So I think people need to be aware of that. And mm-hmm. so I, I completely agree. It's like these ideologies, which is I think it's sort of you're getting to. It's like maybe they don't take a place in your game, but like they have an influence somewhere. Do they have an you know? But is it a positive influence? No, <laughs> like, but I think you need to be very like that whole signposting that this is satire. These things are real. We need to be be able to distinguish, be able to distinguish between the sort of the stuff in the game and outside. And it, it's very hard to do if you're not not you're not even an expert. If you if you're inexperienced, or you're not so sure. So I I think I do think it's very tricky. I don't I generally don't know what I would do in that situation other than say oh, fascism, anything that's sort of against you know. It, well, eradicating human life or certain groups yeah. of people. No, absolutely not. <laughs> right. Have we covered everything? <laughs> uh, I'm sure we're going to come back to this topic at some point. Um, we'll Definitely. do. We'll get you guys on again, uh, get you two on again to talk about maybe you could pick out uh, a part of a Warhammer RPG. You go, I want to talk about this. Or maybe I don't know about enough about this, but I want to talk about it because I want to hear Absolutely. more about it and ask yeah. questions because uh, that might be a great way of prompting topics and conversation. Um, right. With that, um, 
to wrap up then, uh, if you disagree with anything we said or agree or whatever, uh, you can contact us uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com you can find us on Twitter at darkerdaysradio you can find us on Instagram at darkerdaysradio we're on Facebook as well you can find us on Discord talk about this episode please go listen to also episodes of our friends over at Realm of Fire who do also similar uh, self-deprecating chat about the Warhammer games and hobby because you know we we love to hate our own hobby Um, (laughs) no but they love it and hate it and love it and love it um and of course, uh, if you have the chance, go over to What Am I Rolling and DM's Book Club to listen That's to me. also excellent content from Fiona and uh, her her guests who play various games and try including them out for the, the Warhammer Fantasy that Chris ran. Do yeah, I listened to that. <laughs> all of that. It was completely nuts <laughs> and hilarious. Um, exactly. Uh, and that's it for now. So again, thank you, Fiona. Thank thank you, uh, Crystal, for going through this tough content it's difficult uh as a uh as a fan of it and as a bloke because you know there's a lot to cover but i feel things are getting better it's just it's a conversation that will continue going on and hopefully you will be loud about it and that's the but that's the best kind of journey as well is that you never stop learning and stuff. So like like again, I've I've found so many things in my research going. Oh, that sounds really cool. Oh, that sounds really cool. And I made a list of people I would like <laughs> to follow and and find out more about it. Because again, as someone who is brand new to it, I I feel honoured in a way that I don't have any of this background knowledge. I can just go and go. Oh, that's really cool. What you've done here. Or, oh, that's really interesting. You've done here, and just have that. So yeah, very very grateful to my friend Sarah Pipkin, who's at. A lady doth paints who does her own Warhammer stuff and uh, uh, Burrows and Badges is her game currently that she's playing this Warhammer game which is absolutely great. But yeah, she sent me. A oh load yeah, of I know Burrows and Badges. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's very cutesy. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm very grateful to her for sending sending me a huge list of people that I'm going to be checking out over the next couple of weeks. Cool. Well, that's us then done. So we'll be back in future with something likely talking about the 40k universe because i think i need to talk about something new for that so uh goodbye for now then bye